Ask me about the azalea. All right. <laughs> what about the azalea? The azalea means may you achieve financial security. Ah, oh, see? <laughs> Lovely. Now, tell me about the lily. The lily means... The lily means I dare you to love me. This is Snails and Oysters. And welcome to Snails and Oysters, the bi-weekly, bi-coastal, bisexual movie podcast. I'm Nat Roberts. And I'm Allie Rogers. And at the moment, we are not bi-coastal because Allie is in Los Angeles. <laughs> yep, I'm in Los Angeles. I'm waiting to be discovered. I already saw Mark Marin, and that was really <laughs> exciting to me. I won't say where. I'm not going to like blow up his spot. But I will say that I definitely... Uh, thought Mark Marin was as famous to my friends as he is to me. <laughs> and I learned when I texted like all my group chats, oh my God, I saw Mark Marin that like I am the biggest Mark Marin fan in, of all of my friends. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, uh, you know, the old saying on the bus, if you can't see the Mark Marin fan in your friend group, you are the Mark Marin fan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I, funnily enough, we are not in the same room, though, because Allie is still working East Coast hours yeah. from her her temporary housing. And so we're still on the phone for simplicity's sake. With the next place we'll be staying, I'll be a lot closer to you. So right now we're a little far out. I'm learning all about how far away things are in this city. <laughs> oh, God. L.A. geography is like an Escher painting. Yeah. Well, what's so funny is I'm kind of doing like a conversion in my head um, <laughs> to like what it means. I'm like, OK, right now I'm in Pasadena and my friend is in Mid-City. And that's kind of as if I'm in Crown Heights and my friend is in Long Island City. Like I'm literally converting it to like Brooklyn ways of understanding distance. <laughs> I, I would almost say Yonkers to downtown culturally, but but sure, physically, totally. yes, you're yeah. closer. Yes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I can't imagine that there's anything Angelinos love more than to hear New Yorkers compare Convert. their city to yeah. New York bureaus. <laughs> yeah. Allie, you said that you had had, you, you personally had discovered something quite important for the bisexual community. Yes. Uh, yeah. Would you like to share with the class? I would. So I'll, I'll go ahead and say that um, I set up a Google alert for the word bisexual <laughs> so that I could bring more news into the podcast and you know use our huge platform to inform the general to inform them yeah we have a responsibility we have a responsibility you know to inform as celebrities yeah yeah so I got this alert yesterday it says scientists have discovered a bisexual insect and I actually haven't read any more than that but I'm really intrigued can you send me the link so i can like read it alongside you yeah definitely definitely the first sentence of the story is so so the first two sentences are so dark a stick insect named charlie has malformed genitals that prevent him from mating and in order to study the insect in more detail it will have to be killed jesus oh christ God. dude i thought this was gonna be whimsical his main feature yeah. is that he is half female and half male okay not exactly oh, so what... it's an intersex insect yes yes he's the first example of an insect of this species in which gynon Gynandromorphism occurs. Wow. I mean, for, for the listener at home, 
this insect's body is like half bright green and half mm-hmm. brown. And apparently this is called bilateral gynandromorphism when the two halves of the body Whoa. express different sexual characteristics. Interesting. Um, well, that's definitely not what bisexual means. This definitely article, not what bisexual means. This article very much misled us. Yeah. Um, so, wow. <laughs> I was really hoping this was going to be a bisexual Damn. insect, you know, wearing little That's Doc Martens with a little mullet haircut. And this <laughs> Listening is... to insect Janelle Monet. Yeah, exactly. But hey, you know what? We'll keep giving this a shot. I'm sure eventually <laughs> the bisexual Google alert is going to pay off. <laughs> Do you want to try this banter over? Sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. liked it, but no, we, we can. We oh, can. no, no, no. If you liked it, I'm happy to work with it. I, I feel like I've been off. Okay. Oh, oh, I, I, I like it. Okay, cool, cool. It has strongly chaotic energy. It is chaotic. It is chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> if you like edit it and you're like, no, it's the energy is weird. <laughs> but I actually think it's funnier than you think. If so long as one of us feels good about it, I'm down to keep going. But we don't have any time to lollygag today because we have a very special guest and a very long episode, which surprised all of us. I think that we were able to go. Yeah. For like the better part of two hours talking about uh, Imagine Me and You, a yeah. 2000s British rom-com. Nothing nothing more, nothing less. Love it. But the, the really exciting thing today is that we are joined in Snails and Oysters Studios by longtime listener, friend of the show, yeah. your personal friend. My personal And friend. I like to think mine too now. Yes, yeah. Alex Mannix. We definitely don't want to keep our guests waiting. So let's get right into our conversation about Imagine Me and You. Imagine Me and You is a 2005 romantic comedy written and directed by Ole Parker, starring Piper Parabo and Lena Headey, with supporting characters by Matthew Good, Celia Imry, and Anthony Head, all familiar faces on the British romantic comedy circuit. It is about Rachel and Heck, a couple who get married at the beginning of the film, but it, it's really about another couple, <laughs> Rachel and Luce, who meet through her wedding. Luce is like a flower shop owner uh, and does the, the flowers for her wedding and they have an instant connection. It's literally as Rachel is walking down the aisle, she locks eyes with Luce, has no idea who this person is, but just feels an instant connection with yeah, her. Yeah, exactly. And their connection grows throughout the film and Rachel starts to discover another side of her sexuality. I think she calls it crossing the street at one point. An incredible euphemism that I've never heard before. Perfect. Rachel describes it at first as like, have you ever met someone and just known that you're going to be friends? Yeah. And so she pursues a friend crush on Luce that then turns into a crush crush, which then turns into an emotional affair. Yes. (laughs) It's a very simple story. It's a love triangle where nobody does anything wrong. Mm -hmm. And with that, I think we can transition straight into our discussion. For which we will be joined by friend of the show, Alex Mannix. Alex, how are you doing? excited to be here. Well, we're excited to have you. Yay! Like I was telling Allie before, I love this show. I listen to this show. I it's a, it's a dream it's a dream to be here. <laughs> <laughs> Alex. You're you're part of our our 20 listeners. <laughs> 
so so honored so honored to be part of the first 20 <laughs> so let's i guess we can just do a round robin our experience with this movie uh alex i know you suggested watching this movie do you want to talk about why yeah sure i haven't seen this movie in a long time but i first watched this movie um i, I think it was my freshman year of college and I do, I do think I watched it with the person who would be my first queer partner. <laughs> and I, and it was, it was wild because I was watching the movie and I was like transported back to that time. <laughs> and I remember actually, I was, I was dating my high school boyfriend at the time. But <laughs> wow, oh my God. you were, you were larping the movie. I really, I think I really was because I, we'll get into this more. But like as I was watching it, I remembered being like, oh no. Heck is boyfriend, loose is future partner. <laughs> like, or I don't know if I made I don't know if I made that connection yet. Like, I think we were still friends. Like, we were friends who then like dated mm-hmm. later. But mm-hmm. I was starting to realize that I was queer, and watching this movie like fully, I was like, oh, oh dear, oh no. <laughs> Not to interrupt, but I think that is like part of the joy of this movie is that it, it really captures the bisexual experience of like I've been fine up until now, so why do I suddenly have this whole new thing going on? Yeah, totally, totally. But it was great to like watch it again now with the experience I have, and I feel like I feel much more confident and comfortable in my sexuality than I did my freshman year college which is like I mean who doesn't (laughs) it's like nine years ago at this point and watching it also really interestingly like thinking about the historical context of it like there's one line there somewhere where Luce is like well now that laws have changed yeah and I was like wait which law changed and I I did some research um, because y'all y'all do your research on this podcast so uh, <laughs> well we do our best <laughs> we edit out all the parts where we're like wait I'm gonna google that before I say it oh my god I love this oh I'm learning I'm learning so much <laughs> um, but yeah I learned that this movie came out in 2000 2005, I think. Mm-hmm. And in 2004, um, in England, there was like a common law, civil partnership law that was passed then. But like in the media, it was like mostly referred to as like gay marriage. And then was thinking back like, oh, yeah, when I was watching this for the first time, gay marriage was not legal in the US. And so yeah. it was really... I I love this movie. And like there are things that I think did not hold up, which I'm really curious to see what you guys think. But then I think there are some things that are just done really well and do hold up. So... Yeah. So, Allie, this was, I think, both of our first time watching the movie. Yeah. I'm curious to get your gut reaction. My gut reaction, I just loved this movie. Mm. First of all, it was so 2005. This movie, like the fashion, <laughs> yeah. the boot cut jeans, the messenger bags. The hats. So true. <laughs> Even like the rom-com music. Yes. Was very like, this is rom-com, la la. Like, and, <laughs> and I just loved seeing that style of like lighthearted rom-com come through a queer lens because recently we got like the queer holiday movie with Kristen Stewart. Happiest season. Happiest season. But even that, it's funny, my friend Maddie, this will be my test to see if she listens, (laughs) had a very (laughs) negative reaction to that film, which I think is really valid because as lighthearted as it tries to be, there's a lot of pretty ugly homophobia Mm. and it's like liberal homophobia. There's some gnarly parts to it, but in this film, there were definitely some moments that were kind of cringy, but I just really loved how lighthearted yet genuine it was. I really felt like the character, 
especially Rachel. I felt for her throughout the whole movie. I was like, you're figuring it out. And I also, I loved what you mentioned earlier, Nat, that there's really no bad guy. Because I do feel like in some stories of queer women coming out, any guys they're involved with kind of end up being the bad guy. Yeah. Sometimes I think that's true to the experience of being a queer woman who's with a man. Sometimes even if he's not a bad dude, he feels low-key oppressive because... You know, you're trying to feel your sexuality out. And I really liked that, like, there really wasn't a villain in this story. Mm. What a great movie. I really like I'm so glad you suggested it. I'd never even heard of it, which is wild. Oh, wow. I had the same experience, Allie. I, I had heard of this movie before and made a mental note to watch it eventually. But I just think it's delightful. I will say I am sort of a lifelong student of the romantic comedy genre. I grew up watching Sleepless in Seattle and You've Got Mail. And then when I was old enough, when Harry met Sally and I, in my professional opinion, I would say that this is actually one of the more adeptly executed romantic comedies that I've seen. It's really good. Sorry. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. Because it like balances the motivations and personalities of its three leads so well. And it's a really tight needle to thread here. Yeah, it would be so that. easy for your main character to become obnoxious. It would be easy for the other woman figure to become sort of predatory or evil or like a home wrecker, quote unquote, scare quotes. Or not only for the husband to be either obtuse or oppressive or an asshole, but just to be treated as disposable. Yeah. Matthew Goodhear is really playing the Bill Pullman of the movie, the Ralph Bellamy, the guy who is there to lose. But he's given space to show how much it hurts him. That really adds stakes to the protagonist, Rachel's choice between these two people and to Luce's personality where she doesn't want to hurt this guy. And so it's sort of like a, a really well-balanced mobile. All of these parts are spinning in air and yet never fully going off balance. So for all its, call it corniness or cheesiness, yeah. I think it's actually a really well-structured script. You said like there's no, like no one does anything wrong. And that's even one of the lines right the mom of loose is like you've done nothing wrong mm-hmm. this isn't your fault that she's having trouble deciding like who she loves <laughs> but something you just said about heck but the character coop i think is very interesting mm. I, w- I was thinking about like why does he exist mm-hmm. aside from like the very weird cringy like i'm Ugh. hitting on a lesbian and she's not into me but i'm just going to be persistent it's interesting how that's played off as like oh haha coop look at you yeah. it's such a harmful stereotype but anyway <laughs> no it absolutely is and i i would love to dig into his character yeah, yeah. but how he relates to heck specifically heck doesn't confront Sluice. Coop does. Yes. And that was one of the scenes where I remember feeling very scared. Hmm. And like, I've seen this movie before and I knew that this wasn't going to be the turn, but there is a straight man now confronting a lesbian. Hmm. And like, if it had been Heck, we would have not liked Heck because of that threateningness to it. And so I think it's really interesting that Coop, who represents this like masculinity, macho, womanizer, hmm. He's the one who goes and confronts Luce and is like, you're being a homewrecker. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. You mentioned, like, it keeps Heck from becoming unsympathetic. Mm -hmm. This whole movie is very much in the British romantic comedy formula. And that's not uh, Mm -hmm. a diss. Like, it it just is. And and it does it well. And Coop is very much the profane best friend who's there to contrast what a good guy the male lead is. I usually hate that character. It's not that I dislike them as a person. It's that I don't want to see their fucking face on screen. Whereas with Coop, maybe it's because he seems genuinely interested in talking to Luce. Every move isn't trying to get her into bed, even though way too many of them are. But he's not as 
awful. He's at the very least watchable. Whereas a lot of those shitty friend characters just turn into like, dude, I don't want you in the movie. (laughs) Well, I think what's so funny is in that moment of confrontation, he's confronting his own behavior too, you know, because he's like so blatantly been like, yeah, you can sleep with people who are married. Yeah. And so it kind of gives him a little more dimension. Like he's not just the bad guy who does whatever he wants with this unchecked libido. He's also a friend. And also a friend to all these people. I also want to say something I found incredible about this movie is just the way these people all just decide they're going to become friends. Yeah. And I'm Hell like, yeah. is this how you make adult friends? <laughs> you like have to like low key fall in love with someone else to make adult <laughs> friends. I didn't know if it was like just because they didn't have iPhones yet. And so this is how easy it was to make friends. Someone <laughs> someone does the flowers at your wedding. You fall in love with them. Now you're friends. You're friends. Like, I don't know. So much so that like the little girls like come to my school project like cut like yeah right that's the only part that felt slightly contrived but not necessarily because that is kind of how it happens in real life sometimes you're just like we met at random do you want to just like hang out intertwine lives yeah yeah Yeah, it is funny i skimmed roger ebert's contemporary review he didn't like it at all which i i want to get into why i think that might have happened but he did point out how like all the characters are here from the british bullpen of comedy characters Mm, the feuding parents who reconcile in the end the precocious child who says something intelligent or insightful by accident the man whore best friend the nice guy lead the blah 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 but again a formula is only the problem if it's poorly executed Mm, so i think this one really just refines the formula in a really nice way yeah i also i read the auto straddle review again in preparation (laughs) i can't remember the exact wording but it was like this is just the heterosexual rom-com perfectly mapped onto like a queer yes and it's also it's nice because Besides the mother character who kind of like is having a reaction to like the whole dating a woman, falling in love with a woman woman type thing, which that (laughs) I feel like I have my own shit to unpack there. But (laughs) (laughs) also fits in with the supportive father thing that you guys have going on. Absolutely. We love a supportive father figure. I know Giles is super supportive. (laughs) He is indeed. (laughs) I never see him as anything besides Giles and Buffy. Oh, totally. Like even when he showed up on Doctor Who, I was like, why is Giles evil now? (laughs) I was going to say something similar where the mother character is the only one who is even confused at all by the fact that her daughter is now in love with a woman, which we've talked about before on the show. There is this fine line to walk with queer stories where you want to acknowledge the reality, Mm. which is that some people are going to be shitty about this. Mm -hmm. And also that there's going to be some confusion and pain involved. Literally everyone on earth has a painful relationship with coming to terms with their sexuality. It's just a question of whether or not the larger culture enforces that or ameliorates it. Mm. Again, there is never going to be a single movie to do everything right. It just has to be part of a healthy ecosystem. Mm. And I think that this movie is important because it isn't about pain. Mm. The pain is interpersonal, nothing to do with the sexuality of the characters. I just think that's great because I think that while it's important to explore the angst that can come from being a member of the queer community, it's also good to show that it doesn't have to be that way. That you can be angsty for all of the myriad (laughs) other reasons in the world. The yearning when they, like, (laughs) when she, like, goes into kiss after they have their, like, friend date and she, like, almost kisses her. I audibly, like, gasped. I was like, (gasps) like... Dude, when they were in 
the, yeah. the school for the school project and she has like the fantasy of kissing her. I don't know if you heard this in the sound design, but in the sound design, they put in a really heavy breath, like a. <gasps> and I was like, <laughs> they literalized that feeling through that sound in yeah. a way that is so ridiculous. It was so funny. Yeah. There's something really nice about the end that she's like with her parents when she decides to go after Luce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone's on board. Everyone's psyched. Like, we know you got married like six weeks ago or whatever, <laughs> but like, but this is awesome too. Can I talk about a big disappointment for the, me though? And one that yes. I totally forgot about, but it's kind of related to that. The only person who's not psyched besides Heck is H. Oh, her little sister. Yeah. And I was just so, I was so excited at the beginning when she's like being all precocious and like saying all these things. I'm like, oh, I like, I love this character. So great. And then she betrayed me twice. (laughs) The first first time was when she she said that thing where she was like, well, you're not a lesbian or anything. And I was just like, oh, that makes me sad. Sad, It was such this beautiful moment of, oh, yeah, like, it doesn't matter who you love. Like, I love my best friend, too. Yeah. And then it was such like a gut punch because I think it was meant to be funny, mm-hmm. but I just didn't find it funny. Mm. The joke there, I think, is meant to be that Luce is explaining lesbianism to a kid, assuming she doesn't already know what it is. And then she does. Right. But it does really come across as, but being gay is weird. And it's like, oh, fuck you, H. <laughs> <laughs> or not, but, but just, yeah, like, cause not, H. You know, she's a kid. She doesn't know anything. But like the society that age is growing up in, like that was like, it reminded me of a little bit of just like being a little dated. There's one episode of Parks and Rec where like she marries two penguins, not knowing that they're gay penguins. And then like, but sorry, Leslie, no, I don't know. Do do we watch Parks and Rec yet? No, no, no. no, Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Cool. But then the problem becomes like, oh no, should I support this or not? And then I feel like currently in 2021, like there's no question. Yeah. But kind of a sign of the times like, oh, it's okay to kind of like hint that like this is something that's kind of weird. Mm. I get that. As the one male identifying person on this call, I have absolutely no, well, not absolutely no, but for me, the the joke that we talked about, like you're not a lesbian or anything is the worst of the two. At the end, I read it more as just like H really likes Heck. Yeah. And like is upset that Heck isn't going to be part of her family anymore. Yeah. And I think that's actually why it's kind of beautiful that she's the one who goes and talks to him. I don't know how the hell she gets to his apartment, but oh, right. um, <laughs> it's worthwhile to me to have this really beautiful moment of like this this kid just trying to help her friend who's going through like this big emotional turmoil thing. Yeah. I understand why it feels like a betrayal though. And that's the thing. I'm also I'm I I think I'm also like a heck sympathizer because I <laughs> especially because when I first watched this movie I was like, oh no, that's my boyfriend. <laughs> but more just that she she seems to turn on loose. And maybe that was just me projecting but it's less like, oh, she's sad for heck and more like, I don't like loose. Loose is mean. Mm. I don't know if she says that anywhere, but that's I kind of picked up on on that. Yeah, I agree. Actually, I think what's missing here. It's not that her reaction is the problem. It's what's missing is that she doesn't have another moment with Luce later to show yeah. that they're still on good terms. Yeah. I think sure. that's really the thing that we need. Yeah, because she's already kind of said this like weird, like lesbians are weird thing. And then mm-hmm. at the end, she goes and it's like comforting. The straight the one. Straight. <laughs> exactly. And like, again, I think Heck deserves comfort. Like, that's fine. Oh, sure. But, <laughs> but it, it does like those things put together, like made me be like, oh, man. I agree. That was disappointing. But I will also say... I think there was a grain of truth in it. I do think kids can be 
instinctively a bit bigoted because they're such sponges for the world. Yeah. And I'm going to cancel my 11 year old self right now. But um, (laughs) I recently came across a letter I wrote while I was at camp. And like in the letter, I talk about how this one girl has betrayed me by telling my secret. But then I'm like, who is she? She has two moms. Who has two moms? And I was really actually shocked. I was shocked by this letter. I was like, oh my God, I can't believe I wrote that. But then I was like, Ali, first of all, you don't have to feel that much guilt or shame about it. But also I was like, damn, even those of us who then grow up to be queer, And I'm I'm even thinking of a couple of people in my head right now who I will not name who said some questionable things to me who now are in a different place. There's something about that reaction from kids that is true in a really ugly way, you know? It is. But I also think that the good thing about kids being such sponges is that if if you take the time to really talk to them, you can nip that sort of thing in the bud. Like I remember an incident from my childhood where me and my siblings were hanging out with another family that we hung out with. And I found out what being gay was for the first time. Cause we were like talking about politics for some reason, kid level. Uh, and I was like, Oh, that's weird. That's, I don't like that at all. That's just weird. And I was like saying that in front of my mom and my mom said, well, your cousin Russ is gay. And I had never heard of my cousin Russ before. I had never met my cousin Russ. But as soon as she said that, I was like, Oh, I have a cousin who's gay. Oh, then it's fine. Why is everybody making such a big deal out of this? Aww. That's so funny. Cause I feel like what you just described is literally a micro version of how America came to grips with gay marriage totally and queer people it was just like eventually so many people came out absolutely and I do do think you're right and I think it's changing I just went to my cousin's wedding and she married a woman Mm. and she's like a teacher and she put on her Instagram story recently my kids asked did you you married a woman and she was like yeah and they were like oh okay great that's nice you have a wife and she's like (laughs) it's so easy with kids you know like I think it's it's changing but also it depends on where you are she's like teaching in Brooklyn what do you think, Alex? You look skeptical. Oh, well, I was just, no, I'm not, sorry. That was, I guess I have resting skeptical face. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any anecdotes about your own childhood well, homophobia? I was going to say, uh, actually, no, I was perfect. Um, huh? I was actually the vice president of my GSA in, um, <laughs> in high school. Even before I came out, before I knew I was queer at all, I was just like, this feels really important. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, sh- I sh- should say for clarity, my story happened when I was about seven years old. So. I <laughs> One here who's in trouble. Yeah. I also, though, I remember writing, and actually, I remember writing a letter. I think this was when I was in middle school. I think I was in like sixth grade, and we had to like write a persuasive like letter or something. And mine was like about how gay marriage should be legal. Wow. That's awesome. I think I also remember, because I think I started with like Googling like gay marriage or something. And then I remember that's when my mom asked me like, Alex, are you gay? And I was like, no, I'm just writing a letter how, about how gay marriage should be legal. <laughs> Fast forward to my sophomore year of college yeah, when I yeah. did come out. <laughs> and it's like, okay. It's like, I see, I see, I see. <laughs> But yeah, I uh, I was perfect as a child. I never did anything wrong. Must be nice. <laughs> <laughs> Every podcast needs one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I'm sure I said many bad things. I do feel like we've been sort of like circling around the central love triangle of this movie. We've talked about a lot of the secondary characters and haven't delved into our main trio. Loose, Rachel, and Heck. I'd love to really start to pick them apart. Does that sound good? Yeah. 
sounds good to me. Do y'all want to take it like person by person or just sort of talk about the dynamics between the three of them? Hmm. Maybe person by person. Yeah. Sure. Let's start with Rachel since, you know, she's the reason we're here. Yeah. So Rachel is our bisexual played by Piper Parabo, who shockingly is American, but does an incredible British accent in this movie. I actually didn't know who she was beforehand so she could have been I did not any nationality and I would have been like oh cool (laughs) (laughs) I will say though and this is funny because this is and I've already told Allie this but I had a similar reaction actually when Allie told me that you guys were doing um call me my your name which this is this is me being bad this is me being this is me being a bisexual erasureist (laughs) 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 the story that Allie told on the call me by your name episode yeah I was just like oh yeah like that is a bisexual movie yeah I kind of like didn't realize that I felt the same way actually about this movie and I it also partly might have been like my context of like watching it for the first time but it's it's very much talked about as like a lesbian rom-com absolutely it is and when I like watched it I think that's how it was built to me it's like oh this is you know like lesbian rom-com and even though I don't think Rachel ever says like, says anything about her sexuality, yeah. really. And then I, I had that same moment of like, oh, no, I'm the problem. I'm, I'm <laughs> erasing the bisexual. <laughs> you know, it's so funny that you bring that up because that was probably my favorite thing about the movie is that no one ever says like, oh, well, Rachel's a lesbian now or are you secretly a lesbian or I guess, you know, this. She's just sort of like, I, I love heck mm-hmm. and now I love loose. Like, yeah. It's not that it's a non-issue. It's that... Finding the right name for it is not really a concern for her. It's not the priority. Yeah. Exactly. It's it's almost a triage where it's like, I need to figure out who I'm going to be with and then I can figure out the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. I was watching it again with that kind of lens of like, what did I miss or like, what am I missing? And she does like, she like loves heck. And there's that part where they're like, let's go like have sex in the woods. Like, and I think she's like trying to kind of, I don't know, not to say that like someone who, you know, realizes that they're lesbian, like can't enjoy or have sex with men. But what I saw there was like her genuinely, I don't know. They just like their, their love. It's, it's, I think a big part of the thesis of the movie is like, can love grow? Yeah. Or is it instant? And like, she does have that love with heck, but you know that dynamic is perfectly stated at the beginning and then again at the end what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object and the answer is it can't there can't be an immovable object if there's an unstoppable force mm-hmm. i was really pleasantly surprised when heck referenced that again at the end when yeah. he he like breaks off the relationship with rachel where he's like i have to move it's kind of the perfect metaphor for love where it's like is love someone steady or is love someone you feel this unstoppable attraction to And I think that this movie, you know, like most romantic comedies, lands on the more romantic side of it. But I do think there's a genuine argument to be had. Yeah, for sure. About Rachel specifically, the character too, I really also do like how her character has to have control. Mm. There's a scene where they're like bidding on the couch and she's just like very like one track minded, like I know what I want, like I know who I am. And then to see her then... I don't know. To, to not know who she is. Exactly. To see her not know who she is and like that be like chaotically by chaotic bisexual. <laughs> like I liked it a lot. I think like her, I did, I do think they built her character pretty well. And then seeing her kind of start questioning things was just like satisfying to me. I think we're totally within our uh, bisexual bill of rights to (laughs) to (laughs) analyze this as part of the bi canon. But I think that there are some moments she has that feel like if someone who 
identifies as a lesbian wanted to see a lesbian who was really caught up in compulsory heterosexuality. I think that's very easy to read into this film. Yeah. Sure. Uh, sorry, can you hear my cat? <laughs> a little, yeah. A little bit. <laughs> okay, let me close the door. I think she plays a character really well who, like you said, Alex, is really controlled and also feels very much like I've done everything right mm. and I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing. She kind of plays society's like good girl, you know, who yeah. gets married to the guy, like has a job. Life is just good and steady. And then she's met with this thing that she can't stop. <laughs> I'm going to close Yeah, And I think that's set up like in her toast at the wedding where she talks about fairy tales and how her and Heck have never really had strife. So they've just had just the happy ending of the fairy tale. And of course, that's the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. But I do think that it really reveals her character that things have come naturally to her thus far. Mm-hmm. Exactly. She feels like everything's come naturally so far. She feels like she's living out her fairy tale. And what's really interesting is that had it not been for Heck, she would have kept going on that route. She would have been like, I will be a good girl who stays in this marriage with this person I love. And I will deny this other extremely strong magnetic type of love because I don't want to hurt him and I want to do the right thing. Even though in a situation like this, she's someone who wants to do the right thing and she's put in a situation where there is no right choice. Absolutely. It's not necessarily right to stay with someone out of like not wanting to hurt their feelings or even like if you love them, but you also are like constantly denying another love. You know, yeah, I very rarely believe this, but I think this is one of those movies where the whole situation could be resolved with a threesome. (laughs) Like not not necessarily a threesome, but a thruple where it's just sort of like, I don't know, like they all like each other. They do seem that like funny. Yeah, like Heck and and Luce like seem like they're they could like they can just be be buddies. Yeah. No, I kind of agree, especially as kind of goes against the thesis of the movie. But I'm just like, you just met. You went on one (laughs) date. (laughs) It was a great date, but you went out one time. Like, and now you're in love. And like, I get that that's how romantic comedies work. But I think. Fourth date marriage, as they say. It was just like when she was just like after the scene where like they kiss. And it's like, um, I also love that scene, too. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about that a little closer to the end. Yeah. Yeah. But like when she's like running after her and she's like, no. I'll leave if you want me to and then I can't remember exactly what she says but I feel like Rachel asks like oh like do you love me or something like that and and Ra- and Luce is like yes and I was like what? <laughs> <laughs> like I get that there's only 90 minutes in this movie and like now we have to jump ahead but like I would have liked a little bit more time with that mm-hmm. but also I, I also do get that like it kind of had to happen quick otherwise there would be more chances for people to do things wrong yeah like if that makes sense I think I actually disagree. I think that it, it oh shit. It's very clear that like the first two acts of this movie are happening over the course of several weeks, if not months. We get the sense of time passing. But I also think that not only is it part of the thesis of the movie that you can have a connection that quickly, frankly, I have. And I wish it was like somehow grittier or more real than it's portrayed in romantic comedies. But sometimes you do just feel this instant connection to somebody. And I think this movie actually plays it out pretty realistically where it's like you would resist it. You would try to tell yourself no until you just couldn't anymore. Yeah, that's fair. I have to put a stake in the ground about disagreement. Oh, Uh, 
I disagree. I actually am with you, Nat. I've become more and more bored by love triangles because I'm like, potentially this is resolved by a threesome, resolved by a thruple. Yes. But in this instance, I think it isn't because so much of the tension of the movie is about two competing definitions of love. Yes. And I don't know that you could be in a successful thruple where there are definitions of love that are at odds. Can you hear the sirens in the background now that I've said something smart? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately. We'll survive. We'll survive. I'll cop to that. I was mostly being flippant, but I think you're genuine. I, I think you're you're actually right on that point. Yeah, how dare you? <laughs> <laughs> you know what it is? I think that the the conflict is that these these characters, it's not just that they seem to have been raised in monogamy. They do seem like the sort of people who want just one partner. Yeah. To your point, Allie, I am generally bored of love triangles. This is one of the rare ones that I actually like. Again, because both options are equally valid. And a choice isn't a choice if there's an obvious right answer. And so the choice that Rachel does make is much more revealing because both choices are desirable. Mm -hmm. Can we talk about Heck really quick? Yeah, let's transition to Heck. I find Heck really interesting because like I was saying earlier, and I guess what I'm really basing this statement off of is the L word. In the L word, Jenny is the famous character who starts the series with a boyfriend and like slowly discovers her sexuality. And as she does, her boyfriend also kind of becomes the villain mm. or kind of becomes like, girl, you got to get out of there. I don't care who you run to, but run somewhere, you know? And what's interesting about this is I feel like there's moments where Heck doesn't feel like a villain, but feels like he has stereotypical male flaws. There are moments where it seems like he's not listening. Mm. But like what's really interesting is a lot of those moments he then reveals later that he heard Rachel completely. Like when they're doing the auction yeah. and she's like, I felt like she was my soulmate and he's just worried about the auction. But then later he says, too loose. Yeah. She thinks like you, guys you have know. that soulmate thing going yeah. on. Wait, but Allie, literally and metaphor. Well, I don't know if it's a metaphor, but like, because literally it seems like he's not listening because he's asleep because he's drunk and then he is listening and like, right. wow, whoa, that's huge. Yeah, for, for clarity, there's a scene where uh, Rachel finally tells Heck what's been going on, that she's fallen fallen in love with somebody else, but is going to stay with him. And she thinks he's fallen asleep drunk on the couch. But then at the end, he opens his eyes and mm-hmm. reveals that he knew he was awake the whole time. But yeah, I think that's a really smart point, Ali. Like he does seem obtuse at times, even if he's caring, but he he does catch it all. Like even right. to the point of the unstoppable force and movable object, yes. that's like a very weird one-off conversation at his wedding that he then like, when he is like breaking up with his wife, like returns to because he's realized how significant it was. He did hear it at the time. And I think that's what makes him so likable. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I have such a crush on Heck. I Really? Uh, I mean, Matthew I Good is, is just so fucking cute. gorgeous. Oh my God, he's so cute. I had such a crush on, I had such a crush on him. Adorable. <laughs> oh yeah. I love Heck. That is so funny because I do not think he's cute. I'm just like, Meh. Really? Yeah. Allie, you and I have such different types. It's so funny. I think we it's Allie, true. I, it's not even that you have a different type. Allie, you're just wrong. I would suck that man dry. <laughs> I think this Are is... Are you kidding this me? This might be the first time... There would be time. no liquids left in his body by the time I was done with him. This might be the first time in the podcast you've said I would suck that man dry. <laughs> I'm trying to combat some harmful stereotypes about bi men, but honestly, I would fuck Matthew Good in half. Oh, he's so cute. That's hilarious. He he is exactly my type. Like down to the like slightly graying temples these days. Like oh, oh. 
Oh. The other thing I love about his character is how much they build in this character arc for him. He wants to write this book about the best places to yes. be every year, but you know, life took over. And what was really beautiful about that is there's a lot of moments in this movie that are about how the most heartbreaking thing that can happen to you could also potentially lead you to your new life, which is definitely the sense we get with this little scene with him on the plane about, oh, I'm going, I'm going to write this book. (laughs) You're just like, go heck, go heck. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I agree. And I I think that there's a world in which that seems really tacked on just to like, just to soften the blow at the end. Make the viewer feel better. Yeah. Whereas it does feel really integral to his character that he, he is this guy who wants to be responsible, but needs to get break out of this routine. Mm -hmm. We see that with his job. I like how much, like, it's not too much. It's not too little. We just got the sense that he's working in a very macho environment that he does not like, that he does not resonate with. And so it does it does feel like in a similar way to Rachel, he's also trying to conform and having a hard time with it. That's a good point. So really, this movie is just about how how shitty straight society is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Agree. It's interesting, though, Allie, that you bring it like the the last like the epilogue scene, because mm-hmm. I, I watched this and then I, I forgot that those existed. So I like stopped I stopped watching like after the end. I nearly did too. Yeah. And then I was reading the reviews and specifically the Autostraddle review. It says, I wish this movie had ended before all the cut scenes. (laughs) Because it ends in this with this beautiful, perfect kiss and then is ruined by a straight man looking at the camera and like winking or like something like that, which I like, which I get. I think like I I can see an argument about how it kind of distracts. Mm. But I, I, I liked it. The thing I didn't get was... Well, I thought it was funny, but also a little rushed that, like, Coop has a baby now. Yeah, Um, what the heck was that? (laughs) Like, I wish we just had a few more smidgens of dialogue of, like, oh, that, you know, that girl that I'm, I don't know. Like, I think it does make sense for his storyline. He's like, I don't want stability. That's boring. And now, like, you know, his happy ending is, like, being a father, like. I liked it, but it was it was just interesting to like be reminded to go back and watch them by a review of someone who was like, this is awful. You know, it's funny. I also like I had mixed feelings about those cutscenes, but I just realized what it is. It It's fine to have those cutscenes and show where the other characters go, but it should have ended back with Luce and Rachel. That's the mm, only real problem yeah, is that it yeah, ends on heck. It should have sure. just like you could even have him wink at the camera. So long as it went back to Luce and Rachel and be like, but this is the one that matters. Yeah. It's them getting coffee yeah. on a park bench. That's the one that matters. I agree. Uh, so really it's more of an arrangement issue than an intent. Mm, spoken like a true screenwriter. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Luce. Yeah. Yay, Luce. Uh, yeah. Wild to see Lena Headey play anyone other than Cersei Lannister. But honestly, oh, yeah. yeah, she's such a good actress. I wish she was in more things. Absolutely. I just remember and I wrote this down in the notes that I was taking, like having obscure knowledge is so hot. Oh, totally. <laughs> like, every time she talks about like the different kinds of like flowers, I'm just like, uh, you are. You are a hot lady. <laughs> <laughs> and that's such a rom-com storytelling device to be like, this character knows a lot about X and it's going to come up in every scene as a metaphor for what's going on. But it, it feels really well integrated here where it's like she literally meets Rachel because she's a florist and the different meanings of flowers mm-hmm. are always relevant <laughs> to the scene that she yep. is bringing them up in. Like it's always relevant. Absolutely. I loved her character. Yeah. I also felt like it was really interesting how her being a florist kind of put her 
in this position of like responding to all these requests from people who have relationship issues. Yeah. 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 Yeah, She was like the therapist, like to all these people like coming in and buying flowers. And I love how that goes from a running joke of like, this lady is crying in my flower shop to part of the story where Heck shows up to buy flowers for his wife because he knows their relationship is deteriorating. Oh my God. <laughs> that scene. Uh, oh my, that part made me scream too. That made me. I forgot about that part. I was so tense. And also from a screenwriting perspective, I think that was so smart. There were so many smart moments like that. It was the payoff to two different storylines in one. One is the main story and then the other is this running joke and they collide. Yeah. I also think her position as florist slash unofficial relationship therapist gave her this kind of skepticism. Mm. I don't know that she voices it that often, but I guess from the scene, from the beginning scenes at the wedding where she's outside the revelry of the wedding, even though she's making it happen, but she's not really dressed for a wedding. She's organizing things. I just felt that was really interesting because I couldn't help but read a lot of symbolism into it. Mm. I think getting married is really like complicated for queer people and also complicated for bisexual people, especially if they're deciding to commit to a lifelong straight relationship. I think there's like complicated feelings. And I thought it was really interesting that the visuals were kind of her on the outside and just like her consulting with all these people kind of put her on the outside of relationships, you know? No, I think you're absolutely right. She is sort of like the the Shakespearean jester figure, Mm. you know, the, the person who is with in and without at the same time. I think that that is sort of part of being a queer person, especially not not necessarily more or less, but if you can pass for straight, you you tend to get put in that position even more often where you're being spoken to like you're on one side of this aisle when really you're on neither. You know what I mean? One side of the street, but really, yeah, but yeah. really you're, uh, oh, the street. Oh you're just crossing the street. Uh, crossing the street. <laughs> I know we're talking about Luz, but that is, the, it's such a fun scene when she's talking to her like straight like girlfriends about like, have you ever been? When Rachel's talking to her. Yeah. 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 I just, I loved that too, though, because they were just like, oh yeah, I thought about it. Like, yeah. but doesn't everybody? And yeah. like, that's such a, isn't that such a queer thing when you're like, oh, like, is this weird? Or are other people thinking about this? And like people who don't worry about their sexuality are like, oh yeah, I had that thought once. It's whatever. And then queer people are like yes. agonizing over yeah. it. Like it's such a... Yes. <laughs> well, especially I think, I think the, the way... Best li- mm-hmm. No, you go, Nat. We're going to say the same thing. Yes. Yeah, I, I think we are. Where one of her friends says like, yeah, I, I always wanted to sleep with a woman, but I also want to go to Norway, you know? Dude, <laughs> so funny. And I think that's how you, that's really how you know if you're straight or queer, like regardless of anything else. Does this matter to you? Because if it does, you're probably queer. Precisely. Yeah, that's such a good thing to bring up. It's the agony, boo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's the agony. So true. But sorry, back to back back to loose. I- yes. I love that. Uh, again, like in the vein of like, there's no bad guy in this movie. And part of what I love about that is that the characters know it too. Mm-hmm. Like Luce doesn't hate Heck and she never gets mad at Rachel for wanting to stay with Heck. To me, that's just so much more interesting of a conflict than if it was just, well, why aren't you choosing me? I've seen that so many times where it's like, well, why aren't you in love with me? And it's like, fuck if I know. Life's complicated. <laughs> so it's so much better to see a character who's like, I understand if you don't want to be with me, but I want to be with you. Mm. That to me is the much more like mature. It's it's like a like a really good coffee or chocolate. Mm. It's got all of these different notes to it, you know, whereas like the I'm mad at you because you aren't leaving your husband for me is sort of the Hershey's bar of storytelling <sighs> where it's yes. one note that they hit again and again. <laughs> I agree. I also, I love Lucy's relationship with her mom. Like, mm. I also love her mom's house. I Like, she walked in and I was like, I want this to be my 
<laughs> I know. It's that sort of like urban cottage core that mm-hmm. like shows up in British romantic comedies that I fucking eat up. Yeah. But I just, I loved, I, I thought, especially because I feel like it's a bit contrasted by like, um, by Rachel's mom's reaction. Yeah. Luce's relationship with her mom is just so nice and it's just very sweet. Yeah. It sort of feels like it's the two of them against the world sometimes, which is really mm-hmm. sweet. The other thing I really like about Luce, and I might I might be speaking to generally here. I'm curious what you think, Alex. I feel like sometimes in stories about women discovering their sexuality, the foil is a woman who knows exactly what her sexuality is and is mm-hmm. kind of drawing that out of the uncertain woman by kind of like being like, well, you need to face this. You are a lesbian. You are bisexual. You are queer, whatever. Like, I, I think it's a plot device. It's using a person as a plot device to be like, well, how can this uncertain person figure herself out? This other person will basically force her to face it. And what I love about Luce is that like, she doesn't play that role at all. Yeah. You have to confront this thing within you because it's so much just about their love and because she's not that type of person. And that was just refreshing because I think sometimes when a character is used in that way, it kind of becomes a story about coming out more than a story about being in love. Yes. And like sometimes those are different stories. And I like that this one was really just about being in love, you know? Yeah, I agree. I didn't sense any pressure from loose besides yeah that like i'm in love with you do you want to be with me mm-hmm. here here i am here's my heart like yeah no i yeah i think that's really beautifully said that's really similar to something we talked about in moonlight where it's the idea of characters creating space for each other rather than pushing each other to do things so it's more like mm-hmm. if you yeah. want to do this this space is here as opposed to do it do it do it and i again like it, it makes it more interesting because then it's really about the character's choice rather than the character being forced into things i think that a lot of people hear the screenwriting advice of you know force your character into tough decisions and they think it means have other characters force your character into tough decisions mm. which it doesn't have to be and i think it can lead to some really unhealthy dynamics in fiction and so i think this movie is a great example of a character being forced to make a hard decision without another character forcing them to do it mm-hmm. yeah i think and this is this this is what this is switching gears a little Love like it. still talking about loose but like switching a little bit this goes back to a, a something I kind of said before about, I don't know, like Luce's reactions to the homophobia was like an interesting one. She very much like laughs off Mm. the instances of homophobia, like Cooper coming on to her a bunch, disrupting her work day to (laughs) invite her to a dinner where he had ordered flowers and he wants to go on a date with her. You know, to even like her kind of like laughing off that thing that like was a gut punch to me of uh, age saying, well, you're at least you're not a lesbian. Like, yeah, it was really interesting to watch loose. And I, I think it's because it's a rom com. I think if this were a different like style of movie, like maybe it would have been handled differently. But yeah, it was just interesting things that I think would have been a bigger deal she just kind of laughed off. That is interesting. And I think it, it it's both that this is a rom-com and this is a rom-com written by a straight man, if I'm not mistaken, a man I at the very so, least. Yeah. And it's tricky because you could read it as the screenwriter being like, well, see, she's like a fun lesbian. Mm. She's not one of those ones who wants rights. Or you could read it as she's used to this 
and her defense mechanism is to laugh it off. It's tricky because I, again, like I have a lot of affection for the movie, so I want to read it more charitably, (laughs) to be honest. Mm. And I think it earns a lot of charity, like in its handling in general. But it, it, there are still plenty of moments where you're like, did you intend that to be that way or did you just screw up? Yeah, for sure. Definitely the scene that made me feel like, whoa, she's being like too friendly about this is when Coop is giving her a ride home and joking about how he can just go, they should just go straight to his house. I was just like, if I was in a car with a guy and I had made it clear I didn't want to sleep with him and he's still joking about that, I would really not be psyched about that. And maybe I would use humor to keep everything light to try to get out of the situation. But I thought that was really like funny that that was played for straight humor because I was like, there's really nothing about being in a car with a dude driving. Yeah. It just sucks, you know? And it, it um, sucks because it turns into a nice scene of like, I, I was hoping that their arc was going to be, okay, after this, they are now friends and he gives up on trying to sleep with her. Because like, there's that great scene in a diner where he's just like, you know, hey, I can be sensitive. Like, I can talk to you about your problems. She's like, you're not sensitive. And he's like, yeah, but tell me anyway. <laughs> like that, like I was really hoping that yeah. the two of them would have a solid arc of like, okay, we're just buddies now. Yeah. We're, we're almost like bros. Yeah. Exactly. Instead, he keeps trying and it's like, okay, yeah. this stopped being cute before it even started. Yeah. And I, I think I just couldn't kind of stop thinking, especially where where he's confronting her and he's like, you, am I allowed to curse? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Fuck yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> he's like, you, like, you slut, you. That's when I was like, if this, like, if this were real life, like, this is now a man who has come on to you. You've rejected. Yeah. This is a danger. This is literally a dangerous situation for Luce. Like, this could have been, yeah. I rejected you and now you're mad at me and you're following me into my, like, house. Place of work. Yeah. Like, exactly. Like, that, that was the thing where I was just like, if this weren't a rom-com or if this was real life, like, that would be a terrifying situation. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, again, like, if if it was more firmly established that the two of them had become friends, then it could play more for drama, more for, oh, these two people who are friends now are angry at each other. And instead, I think it really does turn into what you're saying, Alex, where it's like, yeah. I know this is a comedy I know nothing too terrible is going to happen, For but sure. boy, if I saw this on the street, I would be like running up to tackle this motherfucker. So I just, I felt very, very protective of this yeah. in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to to touch briefly upon like the larger context of this movie, if that's cool, like sort of its release and reception. Ooh, yeah. I'm really curious to know what went down. I couldn't find much information other than just it didn't do well at the box office. It made about $3 million worldwide against a budget that I can only assume was closer to $10 million. Really? And then even critically, like, I mean, Rotten Tomatoes scores are bullshit, but <laughs> it has a 34% on Rotten Tomatoes. In general, most reviews are sort of like, it's super formulaic, whatever. And I, I find that really confusing because I actually think warts and all, this is a really good rom-com. So I, I sort of did some digging and the three things that I can point to that I, I'd be curious to hear if you guys think that this is true. Mm-hmm. The three reasons I can think of it not doing well, both financially and critically, are one, that it was 2005 and this was a movie about queer sexuality. Homophobia wins again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but, but the other two things I actually find more interesting, which is one, this is an R-rated film. Oh. Oh, really? Which shocked me. You're right. But they don't even like. That's insane. Yeah. There's no nudity. There's no nudity. It's literally because they say fuck too often. (gasps) 
Wow. And so fuck wow. the MPAA, as always. Fuck them. But that <laughs> definitely eats into the audience for a movie like this because you can't bring a younger, like a teenager or a kid or whatever. And you just have different expectations going in. But the second thing that I think really hurt it with critics was the sort of inundation of British rom-coms around this time. Oh, interesting. Like, this is 2005. This was sort of the heyday for Richard Curtis, the, the writer and director of like Love Actually, Bridget Jones' Diary, Notting Hill, Four Weddings at a Funeral. Like all of those had already come out. Uh, and then suddenly came this British rom-com that follows the same formula frankly, I think does it better. I think all Parker, the writer-director, made a better Richard Curtis movie than Richard Curtis has ever made. <laughs> um, but if you drop a movie like this into such a oversaturated market, I can easily see people dismissing it out of hand rather than thinking like, well, is this better than most of these? That's really interesting. Mm, that makes sense. The R-rated thing really gets me, though, just because it is such a wholesome movie. Totally. And because it's such a positive movie for women who might be trying to cross the street or having a feeling <laughs> like they're, they're looking across the street. They're like, there's something interesting over there. What is this feeling? I feel like this could be a really amazing film for like younger women to see. Totally. You know, under 18, like this feels like an important mm. film. Yeah, that sucks. And also I'm surprised that they would sacrifice a rating to use the word but maybe they just have a different rating system in the uk so it's just not a priority they have a different rating system in the uk i don't right, know course, how yeah. this was rated over there but yeah I'd, and also like i hate to think of it as like sacrificing a rating when really it's no you're right a cabal of studio executives yes. enforcing yes. a cultural hegemony <laughs> and we hate it yes on this podcast we hate the mpa we really do we hate it <laughs> oh, okay, I'm on board. I, I I had no opinion before, and now I now I have a very strong opinion. <laughs> well, they, I mean, they did actually like serious moment. The MBAA actually did fight against releasing the vaccine patents <gasps> because they are basically an intellectual property and no nudity, no swearing enforcement agency at this point. So they're just evil. Wait, 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 what? Yeah. Wait, what? What are you talking about? The vaccine patents? What do they have to do with vaccine? Nothing. Nothing, but they lobbied behind the scenes to prevent the Biden administration from releasing the patents to the coronavirus vaccines. Okay, that's cuckoo what? bananas. That's in, that makes no sense. That took, yep, well, MBAA is just evil. Double down, fucking the MBA. <laughs> MBAA, I hope you die. That's our official stance. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that should be like the, the tagline for our podcast. Yeah, fuck the MPAA. I have a conspiracy theory, not about the MPAA, but about why this movie was received badly. What's that? Ready for a conspiracy theory? Yeah. I wonder if in 2005, audiences were really, really down to receive a movie about queerness that was primarily about like pain and agony mm. and the difficulty of it. And were maybe not prepared for a movie where a woman who seems happily married to a man falls in love with another woman and ends up with that woman and everything's fine. I wonder if people were kind of like, uh, no, that's supposed to be horrible. She should suffer. Yeah. <laughs> she should suffer. Yeah. Like there should be yeah. a trauma. Shame. 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 Yeah. Shame. <laughs> Game of Thrones reference. <laughs> that's my conspiracy theory. No, I, th I think that absolutely makes sense. And it makes more sense than just like it had queer content and therefore wasn't popular. Like I think that mm. it really is just having like a positive portrayal. 
and such a lighthearted one. Even if you compare it to other lighthearted queer comedies like In and Out with Kevin Klein, this one focuses a lot less on the inner turmoil and a lot more on the interpersonal turmoil. That's a really good way to delineate between those two. I mean, hell, even when Love, Simon came out a few years ago, like, I think it was the Times, the fucking New York Times, which I finally unsubscribed from. Wow. <laughs> they, like, ran an op-ed where it was like, do today's teens really need Love, Simon? And like a friend of mine was like, we just got it. We finally got our rom <laughs> Fuck the hell off. That was... <laughs> Just the first one we get, and it's like, do you really need this? And it's like, yes. (laughs) I have um, a controversial question to ask. It's not that controversial, but I kind of want to throw it out there. Shoot. Do you think that the movie, by basically having Heck end their relationship and not having Rachel, do you think that let her off the hook for confronting her sexuality or confronting her true feelings? Do you think that let her off the hook too much? Mm. Thoughts? Let's go. Fight. I did kind of notice that, especially when Rachel is like going to find Luce, goes into the flower shop, Luce's mom is there, Luce's mom is like, you're her, (laughs) and Rachel's like, I am, and Luce's mom says something like, what about the husband, like, what about the husband, where's the husband, and Rachel says, I left him, well, he left me, it's over. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Again, my, my reaction to this movie is overwhelmingly positive, but I think it does she kind of doesn't have to make that choice. Well, she already makes the choice and then she unmakes the choice. It does play into a little bit of the negative bisexuals can't make decisions stereotype. (laughs) (laughs) When really no one can ever make decisions. Yeah, but to be fair, I am a bisexual who can't make decisions uh, fully, but that has nothing to do with (laughs) bisexuality. You know, it's funny because the thought did cross my mind. And from a purely screenwriting mechanics perspective, yes, I think you're right that it robs the protagonist of some agency. To be honest, though, my first reaction to that was more positive just because, again, I'm so sick of love triangles. I kind of like the idea of someone who's not the protagonist just saying, fuck this. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm removing myself from the triangle. Because I know you're you're going to stay with me and you're not going to be happy. And what a bullshit decision is that? Like, I don't want that for you or for me. To me, it's less an example of removing Rachel's agency because she has made a lot of decisions throughout this movie and more an example of giving agency to a secondary character. So that instead of Heck and Luce being these sock puppets that Rachel is talking to, instead they're characters with their own agendas and their own objectives. So on on the one hand, I do agree. On the other hand, as a lover of romantic comedies, I love seeing a Bill Pullman character who isn't just like, oh, that's okay. Like, leave me at the altar. That's fine. He's like, this hurts me a lot, but I know that it's the right thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. I do think it's a bit of a cop out for her, but I ultimately think it's true to her character Yeah. because even when she's talking to heck and he's falling asleep and she says, please don't fall asleep because I can't do this again. Like you really, really get the sense that she is someone who, Mm. whether it's just like the people pleaser within her, just, I don't want to rock the boat or I do just genuinely love heck so much. I could not hurt him in this way that she couldn't do it on her own. Yeah. And so it's a bit frustrating, but at the same time, true to her character and I think also gives Heck a chance to like you said I think that's a really good point that like it makes him less of like a rom-com prop and more of like an actual person yeah an actual fake movie person (laughs) (laughs) and it it goes back to like the thematic question of what happens when an unstoppable force meets an immovable object the answer isn't that 
the unstoppable force like destroys the immovable object. It's that the object is not immovable. Yeah. Good question though. I, Very I good did, question. I'm, I'm, I'm glad, I'm glad that other folks picked up on that because I also, again, I think I ultimately forgived it, but it was. Forgave. Thank you for asking that question. Yeah, still worth examining. I love examining, especially with my buddies. <laughs> Maybe let's do a round of final thoughts and then get love into that. Mary Fuck Hill. Yeah. Yeah. My final thought is just, I love the scene. We mentioned it briefly, but there's the scene where they go into the woods to have sex and they run into another couple <gasps> yeah. who's there to have sex and oh they just God. like shake hands and they're like, oh, we just met tonight. Oh, you're married. Oh, that's lovely. It reminded me of like uh, the scene in A Fish Called Wanda when like John Cleese is having an affair with Jamie Lee Curtis in an apartment and the owners of the apartment show up when he's naked and he like holds a picture frame in front of his genitals it's just like oh mark yes we met at the the country club last week how are you oh splendid (laughs) so british that was very cute i totally loved that too and this is maybe too like galaxy brain about it but i also thought it kind of symbolized how their straight world was now colliding with queer world because she is queer you know? Yeah. Also, it was just hilarious. And also really funny yes. that Heck was like, we don't have to do this. We have a bed. We have an apartment. <laughs> and, and it's like, yeah. Which is very in character yeah. for him. Yeah. 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 I like that scene for a couple reasons. And I think one of them was what I had said before, where it was, I was kind of like trying to find clues like that Rachel really does love Huck. And I think that one was where Huckleberry Finn. Like, Huckleberry oh, Finn? Huck. Is this a Mark Twain crossover <laughs> episode? I what what is what Huck is from something else that I must have yeah but heck um, which by the way is just a great nickname great nickname yeah so cute I like it but yeah so I liked it because it was you know they're have they're trying to relive their old fun date or she's trying to like relive their old fun days to see like how she's feeling but then also it was just interesting because I think that was I'm curious what you guys think about this like just how like gayness in general and queerness is portrayed in this movie not within like the triangle but like I mean the only other queer characters are Mm -hmm. Luce's like friend yeah who they're in the grocery store with yes which is also a great scene yeah that's a fun one too I love when when Heck is like I've established she's not her girlfriend it's like yeah we all saw that (laughs) so funny that also made me like heck more because I'm like, look at you not being homophobic. Yeah. Like, I don't, okay, maybe that's, okay, maybe that's Maybe me overcompensating, giving. but like. Yeah, also, I shouldn't give ally cookies to this straight white man. I, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I don't know. It just, I that, that juxtaposition, though, of how comfortable, if not overcompensating a little bit, like how, like, nonchalant he was about it versus how gay panic uh, Rachel was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like that was just like a fun dichotomy. But then the other, the only other queer characters I think are those like gay men that they meet in the woods. Yeah. And again, it was, a, it was a lovely cute scene. I liked it a lot, but wondering if you guys getting analytical <laughs> feel if there's uh, any like deeper things to say about like how queerness is portrayed in the movie. Uh... No. <laughs> Allie, <do you> have <laughs> any- 
Nats like, Nats like leave it alone. No, 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 no. I, I actually think like, part of the reason I like that scene is because that's such a, it's such a positive take on what can be a really negative stereotype about queer men is like, oh, we just yeah. met tonight and we're having sex in the woods, but they also seem like really charming guys. Everybody just sort of shoots the shit. To me, I, I'm, I'm okay with that being the, the queer men in this movie is just two guys fucking in the woods. Cause that does happen. Yeah. And especially when it's set up as this straight couple that's also had sex in the woods. Like this is a perfectly normal thing to do. I feel like we need to normalize fucking in the woods. They're just like us. (laughs) Honestly, we need to just normalize fucking, period. Yeah, Yeah, I thought it was a cute scene. I do think queerness in this movie is generally portrayed, like the two queer characters who are our main characters, Luce and Rachel, are very straight passing, Yeah, just like objectively by Western beauty standards, beautiful, very skinny, white women who honestly Mm. I did write down in my notes I'm gonna (laughs) read this out loud I know what you're gonna I feel like I know what you're gonna say (laughs) they look too so similar they look too so similar (laughs) so similar so similar to the point actually and I remember thinking this I didn't have this problem this time because I think I was expecting it but I remember the first time I ever watched this movie I could not tell them apart (laughs) that's really funny minutes of the movie because they have especially I think later like their hair is styled in a way that is different but like in the beginning like they have the same hair color (laughs) they have the same like angular face shape they (laughs) are both like skinny skinny white women i remember having trouble telling them apart yeah the first time i ever watched this movie yeah they look they 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 could be on siblings or dating well and that i would say is like i don't even know if i want to call this a critique because it's not necessarily critique i would just definitely say that this film presents a version of queerness with women that's very unthreatening to overall how women are supposed to like look and act yeah in the world you know it's i don't know Luce wears a lot of vests and does. blazers <laughs> and blazers and she's got like some tattoos yeah. I'm sorry, Alex. No, that's you. You honestly summed it up perfectly, Alex. They just like they gave her the tiniest visual clues that she's slightly indie. Yeah. And that is queer and it's not threatening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I go back and forth because on the one hand, yes, I do think that we need to present like more obviously queer characters in positive roles. But on the other hand, I also think we need to make space for queer people who don't fit certain stereotypes of what queer people look mm-hmm. like, you know? Yeah. And I don't know which... Again, it's that thing of like, it's about the ecosystem rather than the individual example. So in this movie, yeah, if there were more queer characters, it would be nice to see some queer characters who present more queer. Exactly. Or just like more queer characters who I think these are like, if you're seeing queerness through straight male gaze, these are like the most acceptable versions of queer people. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But it's not like a critique. I'm really not trying to criticize so much as be like, it is what it is. It's an observation. Yeah. I will say like for a movie written and directed by a straight guy, presumably a straight guy, a a presumably straight guy, surprisingly not like sexualized. Like the the bisexuality and and female class is not played for titillation ever. The two kiss scenes are very romantic rather than sexual. And that was really great. Mm -hmm. I love that they're kissing on a bed of roses after she has told us that roses mean fidelity yeah. and she is. Okay, cheating. damn, bringing out that film scholarship brain, Alex. Oh my I want you to know that no. I also wrote a note about that scene, but it's just thorns in my bum. <laughs> 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 that that just reminded me of the scene when they're in the woods again where Heck keeps complaining about nettles. <laughs> <gasps> 
wait, did we just find out Rachel just has like a, a thorn plant fetish? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, she also has like a plant S and M fetish. <laughs> Very rare. <laughs> Love to see it. Really quick, can I just read off a couple more of my notes? Yes. Oh, please do. Love the punch scene where they first meet and she has to fish her wedding yes. ring out of the punch. Hilarious. Adorable. They really play flirty super well. The guy that comes in to buy a plant to say sorry to his girlfriend and he walks out with a cactus that looks like a penis. Hilarious. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the way Heck responds to Luce being a lesbian by saying, well done, LOL. <laughs> um... <laughs> on that one i have a scene in a, a, a rom-com i wrote where like a, a mentor figure is, is like reveals that she's gay and has been like married to another character this whole time and the male lead says basically uh congratulations her response is i'll do you a favor and pretend you never said that <laughs> <laughs> which is pretty much what loose yes. does in that moment but i just i i cackled when that happened because i was like i've written that same joke <laughs> i love that I also said, LOL, a DVD rental store. Yes. Lesbian porn, Georgie Bush. Oh, oh my yeah. God. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah. And how it's like, oh, heck, is very into American politics. Yes. <laughs> so <laughs> funny. That was so funny. Also, I wanted to just briefly point out that it's really interesting to me that Luce teaches her how to use her diaphragm because mm. I feel like there's lots of scenes in queer women movies where the more experienced woman is teaching the less experienced woman about her own body and <laughs> pleasure, but usually it's much more sexualized. And this was like kind of the same thing, but like mm. hilarious. And also like one of the better rom-com Chekhov's guns where it's like, I'm going to teach you how to do this in one scene and then it's going to be important later. Yes. Aww, so yeah. good. The, and the way when she yells the you're a wanka number nine it, like, like it just like the so funny right, like, yeah. <laughs> So Last funny. note I'll say is that um, when they're having, when when they're kissing on the bed of roses, it's briefly revealed that Luce has a tramp stamp, which is hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Now we can do fuck Mary Kill. Lovely. Now this is one of those weeks where obviously we're gonna do Rachel Heck and Luce. I think we can be kind to ourselves and not kill anybody and instead just like friend zone them. <laughs> I, I think that's more on brand with this movie than actually like hurting somebody. Yes. As a Quaker, I love that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm down. Also, as as a huge fan of this podcast, I've been thinking I have been thinking about this. <laughs> <laughs> we lost an um, earbud. Yeah. Uh, Alex just dropped an AirPod for the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I might edit that out. <laughs> Those are the two things. I'm like, I have, the, I haven't said edit anything out. I don't, I can't have my 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 moment where Nat betrays me. <laughs> the editing things out and then fuck Mary Kill. Like I'm just, I'm so excited. Thank you guys so much for having me. This has been so so lovely. Of course, it's been a delight to have you. And as as our guest, I think you should have the honor of going first slash the torment. No, I'll I'll go first. It's fine. Um, I mean. As I as I thought about this a lot because I knew this was coming because I'm such a big fan of the podcast, <laughs> um, I have thought about it. I think I would fuck heck because I just think he's so hot. Oh my god, he's gorgeous. <laughs> Ali is so wrong. Um, the listener can't I see, know, but Ali I is know. so wrong. <laughs> Ali is just reacting, to, like shaking her head. We've learned we've learned things. I think we, me and Ali already knew this. We're friends for a while. We we know that we have different taste in men, I think. But I would marry Luce. 
also because she is hot, but like just so smart. And I also, I also have a crush. I also have a crush on her. Totally. And I don't know. And not because I mean, I really like Rachel. Like I relate so much to Rachel with her like impulsivity, but indecisiveness. But but I think I think we'd be good friends. Yeah. And not friends who would look at each other's eyes and um, <laughs> slowly fall, fall in love. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, or if I'm going within the universe, maybe I fuck heck marry Luce and then have Luce is my primary partner and then uh, <laughs> Rachel is my is my girlfriend. Hang on, within the confines of the game, we've already said we can't solve this problem <laughs> with a threesome. <laughs> okay, yeah, then I then I will friend zone Rachel. <laughs> because if that's an option, I'm just gonna marry all of them. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to be like a, a like a house full of people fucking each other. <laughs> the American dream. Honestly. <laughs> so true. But yeah, so yeah. So my final answer, fuck heck, marry, loose, uh, friend zone, Rachel. Allie, I have mine if you need a minute. Please. So I would, I would actually marry heck. I would marry the shit out of that man. I would. What the fuck, dude? Uh, I would go on travels married, around the world married, with like, him. They're married, like, so cute. And, like, he would write his books and I would do my thing. And like, What if you yeah, want to fuck in the be... forest and he's like, oh, no, the nettles. I don't want to fucking forest. <laughs> I would be complaining about the nettles. <laughs> but no, and also just, oh, my God. Just, oh, my God, he's so pretty. I just want to be the girl on the plane at the end that he, like, is definitely going to join the Mile High Club with. <laughs> Uh, but then I would, so here's the thing. It, it would feel disrespectful to say I would fuck loose because we've spent this whole time talking about how disrespectful mm. it is that Coop keeps talking about it. Yo. So I'm going to friend zone loose, but I also would fuck Rachel because Piper Parabo is like perfectly symmetrical again. Like what the hell is going <laughs> on with these people? They're so crazy. pretty. She, I think she looks like Rachel McAdams. She does a bit. Right. Yeah. She and does. they're both like um, stupid, pretty like. Stupid, stupid with two O's, pretty. Oh, but you know, I thought I did have because Luce is in Game of Thrones. I kept thinking that Rachel kind of looked like Amelia Clark. Yes, oh, yes. Oh, I could see that. My brain was in Game of Thrones mode, <laughs> and like there were some times where my brain would trick me into thinking that that was Amelia Clark, <laughs> and it was the it was the Cersei. I just think uh, you're Daenerys. shipping them, dude. Um, you're shipping them. Daenerys. Slash Vic. <laughs> I shipped them too. Anyway. All right, Allie, what are your answers? Okay, I think you guys are both insane. Obviously, we kill Heck. Like, what <laughs> is even happening? No, friend zone. Oh, sorry, friend zone. I was even like turning. Jeez, okay, this Quaker's out here killing Heck. <laughs> All right, friend zone. This Quaker's out here killing gorgeous men. Friend zone Heck, put him on a little plane, let him do his little book. And then I would, I would fuck Rachel because I think she's like, Really cute, really sweet, obviously very symmetrical. Mm-hmm. And but I would marry the hell out of Luce. Are you kidding me? We wake up in the morning. Yeah. We go buy flowers wholesale and get little cortados and sip them. Obsessed. That's my answer. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't imagine you saying anything else, Allie, to be honest. Yeah. <laughs> I, but like seriously though, picture me and Heck at like a, a cocktail sense. party together, like just being the like hot gay couple. Aww, mm-hmm. So cute. Love that. Well, Alex, thank you so much for being on the show. I know you don't have anything to promote, but if you, I don't know, like if there's anything, any, anything you want to say. <laughs> um, no, just thank you so much for having me. Um, I truly, truly love listening to this podcast. Um, it 
keeps me um, connected to like the queer world in these in these trying times. <laughs> oh so... God! No, no, that that <laughs> phrase is verboten on this podcast. <laughs> Great! Oh, go, oh my God, guys, cut this out! <laughs> yeah, there it is. There it is. Alex, I will just say, even though she has nothing to promote, that's. Alex is like such a ray of sunshine in every room. I mean, I can tell that, and I've only known her for all of uh, how long is this call? An hour and a half. Love it. Aww, you guys. No, this has been amazing. Oh wait, can I can I do plug? I want to plug. Um, it's not my stuff, but it's just a uh, bisexual creator who I've been really enjoying lately. Um, is that fuck? Okay. Yes. Um, okay. Uh, her YouTube channel is Veritably Bitchy on YouTube, and just like makes amazing content about bisexuality and queer and like fun sci-fi fantasy Hell yeah. stuff like made a whole series on bisexual vampires um, did, like, videos about like why we hate bi women and why we hate bi men and like all this stuff oh, I shit. sent Allie a million of her videos I still well, have to watch uh, them. I don't know if she ever watched them send, send, us, uh, send <laughs> yeah. us a link and we'll drop it in the, the episode description and also I'm just gonna watch Yay, that that sounds too. fucking awesome I am such a simp for video essays so that sounds like right up my oh, alley oh yeah Nice. I think you will very much enjoy. Cool. Well, thank you so much, Alex, for joining us. And thank you for listening to Snails and Oysters, the bi-weekly, bi-coastal, bisexual movie podcast. If you enjoy the show, please like, subscribe, interact as much as you can on your chosen platform. Share it with a friend. We don't market the show, so word of mouth is really what we rely on. <laughs> if you really enjoy the show and have the means, please consider checking out our new Patreon, uh, which we will link in the show notes. We have... Our first patron-exclusive bonus episode on one of Ali's favorite movies, Eagle vs. Shark. And I've been writing movie reviews, just quick thoughts on every movie that I've been watching. So there's oh my God, quite my a God. few of those to, to leaf through. And as the Patreon grows, or dare I say explodes. Dare. Dare. I, you know, we'll, we'll probably do some other things. I think we should have jackets. I think eventually we should have jackets. So, <laughs> Like Teamster jackets? Yeah, I don't know. I'm just realizing jackets are probably really expensive to Definitely. manufacture. Okay, and taking it back, we're going to have patches that you can put on your jacket. A patch. <laughs> well, don't promise that. We don't have that either. Okay, never mind. It's just bonus episodes. <laughs> Is this funny or too Alan, stressful? You- <laughs> this might be too stressful for me. <laughs> okay, okay, no worries, no worries. Um, we also want to thank Abby Austin for our really beautiful album art and Billy Libby for our wonderful, wonderful theme music. You can check out both their social media profiles in the episode description, along with our social medias as individuals. And of course, Snails and Oysters is at Snails Oysters on Twitter. Hit us up if you have episode ideas or want to point out something about a movie that we may have missed or just want to say, hey, we love to hear from you. As always, we want to thank you for being, for being a bi-ally. Bi-